Milk minute, milk minute, milk minute, yeah. This is Maureen Farrell and Heather O'Neill, and this is the Milk Minute. We're midwives and lactation professionals, bringing you the most up-to-date evidence for all things lactation, so you can feel more confident about feeding your baby, body positivity, relationships, and mental health. Plus, we laugh a little or a lot along the way. So join us for another episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you want to start with a joke? <laughs> I do want to start. I mean, why shouldn't we start okay. every episode with I'm, a joke? All right. Tell me your joke. So this is a shout out to Martha at work, who's one of the funniest people I've ever met and also is my friend that does not know how to whisper. So when she's talking shit on residents on the unit, it's very funny because I'm like, Martha, you're not quiet. <laughs> they definitely heard you. So anyway, the other day she says, hey, I got a joke for you. I know you're going to love this one. And I said, great. And she goes, so there's a little boy and he goes up to his grandpa and he says, grandpa, what's that called when one person is sleeping on top of the other person, you know? And his grandpa goes, well, all right, I'm just not going to beat around the bush. I think he's old enough to know. And he goes, it's called sex. And he goes, oh, okay. The next day, the little boy comes up to his grandpa and he says, hey, grandpa, remember yesterday when I asked you what it was called when one person sleeps on top of the other person? And grandpa says, yes. Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, it's called bunk beds and mommy wants to talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like every conversation I have with my son. Right. I'm like, oh, okay, let's talk about racism then or let's talk about sex or what and he's just like mom it was just a simple question yeah it's not what i was asking yeah let's not get too deep mom (laughs) don't worry i'm not quite damaged yet speaking of which oh my gosh yesterday so my son just turned six and we were like hanging out in bed and watching a movie with the baby and i called him baby which like i do all the time and Mm. he just deadpan looks at me mom i am not a baby oh well I guess we'll just I know. mark it down on the baby book okay. then. Okay, not a baby. Oh, Sorry, Griffin. but are you? <laughs> well, when Heidi was potty training, which is still happening. Um, <laughs> yes, was, is. When we Whoa. were tackling step one of potty training, which was peeing in the potty, we read that book, something about crap. Oh, crap. Everybody poops? No, it's oh. called Oh, Crap. Okay, that's Potty training. Sure. Yeah, whatever. It told us not to call Heidi a baby anymore. And mm-hmm. that was, we're supposed to help her move towards her identity of being a big girl and big girls pee in the potty, whatever. So we stopped calling her baby, but then she heard my dad call me baby. And <laughs> she said, you not Pop Pop's baby. And my dad goes, Heather will always be Pop Pop's baby. And now Heidi called me Pop Pop's baby for like a week. <laughs> 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 you pop pops baby? I said, yeah. And her new thing this week is she goes, are you Heather or mommy? And I said, I'm both. And she uh-huh. goes, you Heather and mommy? And I said, yes. And she, her little brain was just like calculating, calculating, <laughs> trying to figure that one out. Yeah. my One of my friend's kids called my other friend mom for like two years because he didn't get her name was not mom, but her son called her mom. So he was like, oh, you're mom. Like, your name is mom. Like, like mine. <laughs> Coincidence. Mom, every mom. Someone shouts mom on the playground and all the moms go, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly. very confusing for children. We don't have identities. We're just no. one amorphous mom. Yeah. Anyway, should we jump right into the content? Yeah. Do you guys want to know what we're talking about today or yeah. you just want to hear us keep bullshitting? Well, I will let you know. Today we're going to talk about milk storage guidelines. Which feels real controversial sometimes. Controversial. Controversial. It's like being constipated (laughs) with medical information that's also controversial. So before Heather starts criticizing the way I'm speaking, let's pull a listener question. (laughs) (laughs) This listener question is from one of our patrons. Hooray! Yeah. Which one? This is from Lisa. And Lisa's great. And she's asking, why is my six-month-old growling and grunting? He does it while nursing and wiggling all around. And sometimes when he's not nursing, am I really raising a bear cub? (laughs) Um, Lisa, we hate to tell you this, but yes, you are raising a bear cub. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, But at that age, 
more than anything, especially if you're like, he's growling and grunting, not just while nursing or not just while in this position. It's it's literally probably vocal experimentation. Oh, yeah. Their voices are changing and they're getting used to hearing their own voice. And that's one of the biggest beginning phases of language development Mm -hmm. is like, oh, this is my voice and I have control of it. And then comes the constant screaming for fun. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, wait, I can make a noise on purpose. Even my five month old now, she'll be nursing and she's like, <laughs> like boob in mouth. Let's just see Don't which talk with your mouth we can use. <laughs> um, with a younger baby, if we're grunting while nursing, we're probably having some gas pain. Uh huh. Yep. They like, do that. Maybe also with a six month old, but more likely they're just like, wait, I can talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the grunting and growling is specific for each different baby. Both my kids made different kinds of noises. You know, my daughter was more of like a like a screamer. Yeah, Lyra's doing this squealy thing that like I don't think Griffin has e- ever done in his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my <laughs> son was more like business. You know, yeah. he was like, "I'm going to eat this boob, and then I got to go. Like, I got baby stuff to do." So he didn't really, like, spend a lot of time singing or messing around. He just was kind of like, I'm eating, I'm done. Mm, yeah, Lyra hangs on. She'll, like, you know, do her whole, like, gulpy thing that you guys all hear when my letdown is a lot. And then she just hangs on doing nothing. And then just starts, like, <laughs> And you're like, Like okay. a creaking door. So we're just singing she becomes haunted after 20 (laughs) minutes of nursing yeah it's it's i mean it's almost halloween griffin is so excited that lyra is going to be six month old before halloween oh because she can have candy right oh god he's like i'll share my halloween candy with my sister that's so cute and you're like no (laughs) anyway she can eat some pumpkin There's nothing more stressful than having a baby that is crying incessantly and having everybody around you trying to tell you it's your breast milk. Or you have to just use gas drops. Yeah, or maybe it's something you ate. Imagine an external, natural solution, relief for your baby. Happy Tummy has a patented herbal pouch, including a mix of seven ingredients proven to help an upset tummy. It includes lavender, chamomile, lemongrass, and peppermint. All of these herbs are safe and sourced from their country of origin. These wraps also provide gentle pressure against the baby's abdomen that helps relieve symptoms of colic and gas. Happy Tummy is a simple solution that has calmed thousands of babies and parents since 2004. If you'd like one, go to happytummy.com and enter code MILKMINUTE10 for 10% off your order. You can also click the link in our show notes. And not to mention, they have products for adults as well. So if you have menstrual cramps, do something nice for yourself and go to happytummy.com and enter promo code MILKMINUTE10 for your 10% off. Heather, we're here to talk about human milk storage guidelines. I'm kind of delaying it because it's just, it seems stressful. No, no, I'm excited. Okay. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. So I'm excited because I think I found a little bit of clarity. Oh my God. Are you serious? Well, you'll see. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So you guys probably already know if you have looked at milk storage guidelines in more than one place, you're like already confused. Mm -hmm. And if you've talked to more than one medical professional about milk storage guidelines, they've probably given you different advice and perpetuated the confusion. Mm -hmm. And to add on to that, like every single pump manufacturer just like (laughs) throws some random shit out there on their website about how to take care of their specific pump. And also, here's how you store your milk. They have no authority there. Yeah, and it's not even varying by minutes. It's like hours, days. It's a lot. It's a lot. So I went through a couple of different, like, big healthcare organization guidelines to start with, and then I went to the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine's protocol number eight, which is what we're really going to mostly focus on today. Because, frankly, when you go to places like the AAP or the WHO, like, you'll see the guidelines, but that's it. They don't list their sources. 
They're like, these are for parents, not for clinicians. So parents apparently don't care what we're doing and where we got it. Let's just make it simple and easy to follow, which I understand, but also like totally is a disservice to all of you guys out there who are intelligent, like well-reasoning people Mm -hmm. um, who can make complex decisions, you know? Right. And then how often are those updated and who's in charge of updating them? And, you know, like if a new awesome scientific paper comes out that would really change the storage guidelines, how many years is it going to be before those are updated? Right. And even this, this protocol number eight was revised in 2017. So it's, um, there are a couple things that were out of date, but for the most part, I mean, it's pretty good. And what I like about this protocol is it's not just like how long to store your milk. It's kind of everything surrounding milk expression and what guidelines we should use for safety around that. And what makes sense, hopefully. Right. Um, And I mean, as far as I could tell, it was evidence-based. You know, there are like 50 articles cited and I did go through and read a number of them when I was like, wait, what the heck is this one about? And this is ABM? Yes. Okay. Academy Um, of Breastfeeding Medicine. Yeah, and their protocols are written for clinicians, not for parents, which I appreciate. Um, And parents can access them too. Hooray. So to be, like, clear, this is for storage information for home use for full-term infants. Yeah. If you're nursing a premature baby, Mm -hmm. you pretty much need to do what they told you to do in the NICU. That's going to be your best bet. You know what the first rule is, Heather? I hope it's wash your hands. It is. Oh, good. (laughs) It is. Literally, like, I don't know why this isn't just at the top of every, like, little PDF or magnet you put on the fridge. (laughs) Wash your damn hands. Don't go poop and then (laughs) pump and store your milk for four days. (laughs) Because the, like, everything I was reading, every article I went through, the base bacteria count had a huge impact on the shelf life and safety of the food. Duh. Yeah. You can only ask so much of your milk outside of your body. Right. You can't just be like, well, I just wiped my butt and now there's fecal matter in this milk, but it's good for but eight hours my on the counter. fecal matter. Right. <laughs> like, and the reality is, yeah, it's probably fine for a couple hours, but if you really want to get the most out of all of these guidelines, the cleaner you are on at the onset of this whole process the the like you know more lenient you can be with these guidelines great okay so wash your hands now real studies have shown that human milk containing less foreign bacteria at the time of expression shows less bacterial growth in storage and actually has a higher protein content after storage so cool mm-hmm. i don't know bacteria is like not eating your milk um, but cleaning your breasts is not necessary. Thanks, Montgomery glands. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, wait. yeah. Get, Montgomery glands are the little bumps on your areola, <laughs> and people try to pop them. Don't pop them. Don't pop them, please. Zip poppers, I'm looking at you. Yep. If you're <laughs> a picker, you need to pick something else, because those little bumps on your areola are glands that secrete wonderful wonderful lubrication for your nipples, keeps them moisturized, and it also has uh, properties that keep your nipple clean for you. Right. And frankly, like you're not just like rubbing your bare breasts on every surface you encounter throughout the day, but like you do that with your hands. Let's just be real. You're not like, let me just rub a nipple on this handrail. My nipples are so hard (laughs) I could poke the elevator button with them. <laughs> um, but if you are pressing elevator buttons with your nipples, then maybe you should wash them. And take a video and put it on our Instagram. <laughs> okay. So second, wash your hands. Next, whether you hand express or pump, turns out doesn't matter for overall bacterial growth in general. Cool. Yeah. Cool to know. So it's not like you have to use extra cleaning protocols. Cool thing about this one, we go into some storage container choices. Are you interested? I'm very interested because there's been some changes in the market. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't checked out our Series Chill episode where we interview the founder of Series Chill, Lisa Myers, she's a badass. We love her. And she has been really spearheading the discussion around milk storage guidelines and really pushing to get them updated for parents to have more options that are safe, which we love because progress is great. Yeah. So, of course, 
that for whatever reason, there was a ton of research into this and not in other areas that I frankly find more important. But basically, in all the possible containers tested, which among these studies, we had glass, polythylene, polypropylene, polycarbonate, polytherosulfone, and steel. So all those poly ones are plastic, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't see silicone included, just FYI. But among all of those, basically, there was always a significant reduction in the percentage of fat. And some of them showed increases in total protein or carbohydrate concentrations after storage, which we can conclude is from, like, enzyme stuff happening in milk. Yeah. But no matter what, fat is going to stick to the sides, guys. And there's nothing we can really do about it. The swirling helps. Yeah, you can try, but, you know, like, get it off the best you can. Also, it's it's just going to be there. there. Somebody posted in our Facebook group a tiny little spatula that they bought just for getting in their tiny <laughs> then, little like, bottle. It's going to be stuck to the spatula? <laughs> then you just, like, scrape it in. Is it, it like, in. one of the butt spatulas? No, it's, like, one of those makeup <laughs> spatulas. Like, you can buy a set on Amazon, <laughs> link in the show notes, um, <laughs> where you can, like, scrape it off the sides, and it's super tiny, so it'll, like, get in the nipple, too. Side note, I had to Google butt spatula not too long ago because it was, like, my friend was asking for recommendations for her like registry and someone was like the butt spatula and i was like what is the what butt is spatula? a butt spatula it's it's a little silicone spatula you put um diaper cream on baby's butt with so you're not like in there with your finger oh my god that would have been very <laughs> helpful actually now that we're all done having babies here i'll oh. get you a butt spatula for your birthday but like <laughs> Then you'd miss out on that opportunity to lick your finger two hours later when you got <laughs> peanut like, butter on it. And you're I... like, mm, Desitin. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Even anyway. though you washed your hands. It, that <laughs> stuff will not come off. Well, that's the point of Desitin, right? Is that it's just like a whole new right. skin. Right. Yeah. Get a butt spatula. Cool. Anyway, or a milk spatula. So we're talking about milk storage, though. The, the interesting thing was at least one of the studies showed that using polythylene plastic had a significant drop in some of the immunoglobulins and the bactericidal effects of milk when compared to glass. Do you have an example of one of those? Is that like the Playtex bags? Yeah, we're. Uh, I actually need to look up if like which ones each brand is made of, but I didn't really care to right now. But yeah, it's like using the Medela bags or whatever okay. versus using a glass jar. And, you know, some of the steel containers showed a decrease in the cell count and viability as compared to the glass as well. Um, but honestly, like, not all of the results were super consistent. We don't know if the methods in expression were all the same in those studies. So there's a lot of, like, how much does this matter? How much control do we have over this? Um, the conclusion is, like, maybe glass is the preferable choice, but basically every container tested showed a reduction in fat content and some cell viability. And that's important to know if you have a baby that's really struggling with weight gain, you know, and you're pumping exclusively. Yeah. You know, that, so that's not a deal breaker for pumping by any means, but it's just something to note. And, you know, honestly, like, there was some... You know, I'll mention this later, but there was some mention of caloric content actually reducing over time in storage, mm. which may be one of the missing pieces that we, we kind of haven't thought about much when people are like, wow, I can't keep up with my baby's intake when I'm pumping at work. Mm. Like, maybe that milk is actually just a little bit calorically less. Oh, that yeah, makes sense. It, it's, it's interesting. We're really only just jumping into research on this, and frankly... A lot of the studies cited were already like 15 years old, and there's been no new study done. Guys, if I had time to get my PhD, I would do it <laughs> someday. Yeah. But regardless of what container you choose, no judgment. Um, if it's a reusable container, we're going to treat it like our pumps as far as cleaning. So... This one, just get ready. Sit back. Okay. You're going to like this. Pumps and reusable storage containers should be washed in hot soapy water or in a dishwasher, air-dried or dried with paper towels, and they don't need to be sterilized. What? They don't need to be sterilized 
for a healthy full-term infant. Why? Boom. I'll get into that. Okay. So I read that and I was like, hold on, let me look at that little number and go to the footnote and the source because what? <laughs> Hello, rabbit hole. Woo, this was fun. Um, so this led me to an article published in the Journal of Hospital Infections. Didn't know that existed. It's probably fascinating. Ugh. <laughs> and home terrifying. Birth. It'll make everyone do a home birth. Well, anyway, <laughs> so they had this working group analyze, like, all of the available literature from hospitals and then additionally created a survey in UK neonatal units. So um, they concluded, basically, that given proper instruction... It's totally sufficient for parents to clean pumping and storage equipment just with washing in hot, soapy water, rinsing, and drying. This applies only to single pumping units being used by a single lactating parent, not the shared hospital units. Mm -hmm. Those, they said, should be sterilized between uses, between people. Does it matter how long you plan to store the milk? No. Hmm. Essentially, like... Excluding for special medical circumstances from with the babies, the chance of infection in their neonate and the the bacteria content of the milk and everything, it was all the same whether or not people fucking boiled those pump parts or not. Oh, well, good. Yeah. So you just got 15 minutes of your day back. And honestly, like, I... Have been thinking about that. I never boil my pump parts, guys. Like, I did it once when I opened the package, and it's been four months. <laughs> She's fine. <laughs> I mean, I was just thinking, like, literally, what is going to change between me using this water that is so hot, hot it scalds my skin because we have a very hot water heater, and this, like, ridiculously, you know, I use, like, Dawn on my pump parts. Maybe I shouldn't. You know, and scrubbing the shit out of them. Like, what's going to change then if I boil it after that? Yeah. Um, interesting, though, they then said if for some reason you can't get to soap, like say we're in an emergency situation, you can boil alternatively. And they said don't use chemical cleaners, um, like chemical disinfectants that you just like dip and dry because it leaves a bunch of residue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. Um, enjoy your freedom, everybody. Did we talk about this in our how to clean and manage? Yeah, and we said we told people to boil it because that's the guidelines like everywhere else. Well, the pumping parts are probably different than the storage, right? No, I mean, it's all the same. How is it all the same? If they're reusable storage containers that you're using and pumping parts, they lump them all into one. If you're just using the one-time bags, they're already come sterile. But the pumping parts themselves have so many little areas that so that is why the guidelines tell you to also boil is because they assume you're not going to sufficiently clean so this recommendation is saying like if you give parents the right instruction oh right and so that is like the crux point of why these guidelines vary and why the cdc guidelines kind of suck so much is because they're assuming the worst adherence to the guideline. Which I understand. I understand, absolutely. But it doesn't give you any information then to make a decision that actually works for you or is even the safest for you. And it also just contributes to that anxiety that you have as like a intelligent, contributing member of society that doesn't have problems following any other rules, but the ones that they give you in breastfeeding seem complicated. Like when when um, women that were in WIC programs were polled in the beginning what affected their decision to breastfeed or formula feed, they reported that they chose to formula feed based on the WIC presentations of each type of method because the breastfeeding one was presented in a way that sounded complicated. Wow. So they were like, oh, shit, we, we better change how we're presenting this to people. It's like, okay, if you're formula feeding, here's the rules and this much and this amount at this time and mix it this way. Breastfeeding, it's like, sit down, girl, we got to talk. <laughs> it's going to be a long road. There's a lot of rules right. that are very arbitrary and, and you won't know which ones apply to you until yep. you listen to this podcast. An interesting side note, actually, one of the like professional breastfeeding education courses I took um, suggested that in order to like combat that, 
that when parents choose to formula feed, we show them like this video. I think the WHO made it. That was very much like here are the exact guidelines for how to make formula, which, by the way, like to make it, quote, like totally safely is like fucking hard. Yeah. You know, like sterilize your little scoop and put it down and don't touch it. It's like canning food, you know. Yeah. You've got like a sterile setup in front of you and all of your tools and you pick it up with a tong and it's a lot. And I don't necessarily agree with like causing unnecessary anxiety for formula feeding parents either. But it was like definitely an interesting exercise to kind of turn that on its head and be like, actually, the guidelines suck for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Feeding feeding your kid is just hard. Stressful. The easiest way to feed your kid, as it turns out, is to not store your milk and to just feed them directly from the boob. But America and, you know, working and all that. Yeah. (sighs) Okay. So now I'm actually going to get into the big question everyone has, like... Heather, if I left my milk out for 4.1 hours, is it still safe? The CDC says no. I say yes. Me too. And here's why. (laughs) Because that is BS. Yeah. So we're going to start, like, we're going to move down temperature gradients, right? Warmest first. And also most variable is room temp. This protocol defines room temperature as between 50 and 85 degrees Fahrenheit, which is, like, really big, uh, or between 10 and 29 degrees Celsius, which <laughs> okay. we don't use in the U.S. For our EU friends. Yeah. Anyway, yes. I don't know what that means. I assume, <laughs> you know, no reference point for that, but I assume it's the same gradient. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so their guidelines say that, like, some limited studies suggest that, of course, the shelf life of breast milk at this very large variation of temperature varies due to the actual temperature, and due to the cleanliness while collecting milk, right? Mm -hmm. So essentially, if you are a little bit slapdash and maybe didn't wash your hands and maybe your pump parts aren't super clean and it's 85 degrees in your house, four hours is a reasonable limit to assume it's safe. Mm -hmm. But if you wash your hands and your pump parts are clean and maybe your house is like 65 degrees instead of 85, then studies suggest we're looking more like eight hours. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, right. I, I love it when common sense wins. <laughs> yeah, and it's logical. And I kind of wish we would like, this is what we're doing. I'm giving you the tools to make this decision on your own. Yeah, because your your house changes, your situation changes day to day. If you're pumping in a car mm-hmm. and then you have to... You know, and you're at a soccer meet and you've got dirt everywhere and you're just doing the best you can, but you have to pump and then you have nowhere to put it but in your car for the next two hours. You know, that's something to consider. Maybe like use it sooner. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't mean throw it out. It doesn't mean, oh, I guess you're going to just have to use it for a milk bath, which is the answer now apparently for... All the milk. Have you seen that? <laughs> Should we group? just do an episode of milk bath? Like, I've been thinking it, but then I'm like, what would we say? Milk baths are getting a serious <laughs> PR push right now, and I'm what? not sure why. I mean, it sounds luxurious, yeah. but also, like, what? It cures like, everything. It's kind of as if I were saying, like, why don't you bathe in kitten milk? <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Like, that just did something like, to me. <laughs> That's disgusting. I mean, it just seems like such an extravagant thing. Like, like it's so hard to milk a human, and now we're going to take a bath in it. <laughs> I'm sorry. They're oh, like, God. well, I was going to throw it out, but why not bathe in it? <laughs> no, definitely give your kids milk, but it's not dangerous, guys. It just seems, like, hilarious well, to me. just don't throw away yeah. good milk to do it. That's the big thing. Yeah. Like, I, we have seen a lot of Facebook posts like, oh, no, my milk is now 12 months and one day old, so I'm going to make a milk bath bath with 100 ounces of milk. We're like, what just happened? Yeah. Did I intervene soon enough to stop? Oh, no, there's a picture. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh, okay. Yeah. So anyway, essentially, like, you know, just, just think about it. What is this your cleanest milk expression? Is it a cooler room? Or did Heather turn off the air so that our recording was better and now I've left it out in an 85-degree room? You're welcome. (laughs) It's all right. I've got it in the chiller. We're fine. (laughs) Okay. So um, speaking of the chiller, we're talking about ice packs next. Also very variable. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I will interject this. Tell me. Well, I'm just – here's the other thing that's been floating around our group. Your milk is good until the last ice crystal has melted. 
for 24 hours. And it's like, what is up with this last ice crystal? Mm-hmm. I, I, have to, I do have a slight clarification on that, but like not as clear as I, I yeah. Okay. Like everyone is just hanging by the last ice crystal. Like I feel like it though. On it. Like I found my freezer open again because oh. Griffin closed it with the Roomba cord oh. for the charger in it. And I opened it and there was just like little like snow everywhere. Yeah. You know, and I was like, Ugh, but everything was still frozen. It was just like frosty. Ew. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, kids. Fine. Man. Also, if it wasn't, I would have been like, shit, just shut that freezer. It's fine. Cause I, <laughs> Let's I have see a, how it goes. <laughs> well, my system, too, I keep the long, like, I have like 80 ounces in the deep freeze. Nice. That's my, like, I'm going to be at a four day birth stash. Okay. Oh, I hope happens. you're not at a four day birth. No, same. But, like, you know, it's, it's a possibility. Yeah. Um, and then in the little freezer attached to my fridge, I keep like 12 ounces. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. At most, because, like, we're not going to use more in a day of me being at work. Right. And that's also the fridge that, like, somebody always leaves open. Anyway. Smart. I don't even date that milk. Because I'm like, it's going to get used this week, and if it doesn't, I'll throw on the date of Monday and put it in the freezer. There you go. (laughs) Anyway, ice packs. What the heck? What temperature are ice packs at, guys? What size is your cooler? How much ice is in it? This is really variable. (laughs) Like, sometimes you open a cooler and you're like, this is not even colder than this room. So, this particular paper said that basically we're looking at around 60 degrees Fahrenheit or 15 degrees Celsius. So, it's not that cold. It's like a cold room. So, they're giving you a lot of lead. Like, this is kind of worst case scenario. Your cooler's keeping it, like, just a little colder than the room. Wait, so are we talking about you've freshly pumped it and you're putting putting it in in a cooler? Yeah, putting it in a cooler. Because isn't... My understanding is the recommendation is it's fine on ice packs in a cooler for 24 hours. Right. And that's where this comes from is at that temperature, at about 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. Um, so, but 60 also... 60 Fahrenheit? But isn't your refrigerator 40? Mm-hmm. So it's warmer than your... Fr- okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. and they're, because they're acknowledging that, like, you put an ice pack in, maybe the cooler is 30 degrees, and then 10 hours later, it's 50, and then... 10 hours later, it's 60. You know, like, ice packs melt. Yeah. Is it a lunchbox cooler? Right. Is it a Yeti cooler? So this said a small cooler with ice packs. Okay. Because we basically don't have a lot of study. I think there was, like, one stuff, one study with small, like, like those little Medela coolers that come with the things. Yeah. Like that. Okay. So, but if you have, like, a badass Yeti cooler, you know, and it's keeping it at a chill, like, 35, I mean... You've got four days. Right. And, the problem and if someone's is not, not, yeah. If someone's not opening it and closing it repeatedly and letting air out, if you just pump, put it in there and zip it and fly with it somewhere mm-hmm. and you don't open it for 24 hours and it's a really good cooler, it really might be still at 40 degrees. Yeah. And, you know, like this is where the question we get a lot like, I'm moving across the country and I have like 500 ounces of milk and we're just like, whoa. Don't freak out. Don't throw your milk out. Shove it in a cooler. Duct tape it shut. You're going to be okay. Right. Yeah. So it should be safe uh, for about at least 24 hours at that temperature. If it's lower, it's going to be longer. So if you forgot your milk in a cooler with an ice pack and it's like 40 degrees at night in your car, like don't worry about it. Yeah. Put it in your fridge. It's okay. (laughs) <laughs> Should the title of this episode be Milk Storage Guidelines, Do What Makes Sense? It's okay. <laughs> I feel like I just need to, like, we need to take a collective deep breath. <sighs> Channel Lisa Myers here. Remember, breast milk is not fragile. Yes, it's not fragile. Or Remember, fragile. <laughs> fragile. Fragile. I need to add an extra syllable sometimes. It's not Italian. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we but we do. We have remember it's not fragile, and remember a little bit of common sense, right? If you open your cooler and you're like, that is room temp, solid room temperature, seventy two, you know, um, assess how long it's been in there. You know, think through like, was it actually very cold when I put it in? Are we looking at kind of room temp? Quote, taste it, yeah. Can always yeah, do a smell taste it. Test. It's okay. <laughs> um, and if you're going to do a taste test, pour it into a spoon. 
and then taste it. Mm-hmm. Don't put your mouth bacteria mm-hmm. in it and mm-hmm. then try to store mm-hmm. it. Yeah. If you if you taste it with your mouth and you're like, yep, still good, and then throw that in the fridge, now it like <laughs> might not be anymore. <laughs> you know, and also I just want to say before you throw it out, just like take a breath because I've had a lot of people – you know, come to me crying and they're like, well, I already threw it out. You know, you know what? Instead, if you find it thawed or you find it in your car, put a big old X and Sharpie on that bag, throw it in the freezer, you know, come come back to it after you've had a chance to calm down and assess what really happened and what the like real situation might be here. Yeah. Okay. We're moving colder now, right? I'm I'm taking you down a temperature gradient today. Mm, it doesn't feel like good. It's getting warm in here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, refrigeration. Okay. We do have like more than one study on this. Great. Time to celebrate. Well, everybody. refrigerators are easier <laughs> to regulate the temperature of than a cooler. So I'm right. sure more researchers were like, this sounds good. This Thank sounds you. Let's easier. do this. easier. <laughs> Um, Okay, so we're looking at approximately 4 degrees Celsius or 39.5 degrees Fahrenheit-ish. So what we've seen from study is that the bactericidal or like a bacteria-fighting ability of breast milk does decline somewhere around 72 hours of storage, just so you know. (laughs) And... Studies have shown that milk expressed with low levels of, of bacteria at the onset are going to still be safe, possibly up to eight days in the fridge. But depending on the front of the fridge or the back of the fridge uh, or the door, we're looking at about 40 degrees Fahrenheit. So how cold is your fridge? A lot of people can adjust that, right? Yeah. Sometimes things freeze in the back of my fridge if I'm not careful about what I'm shoving if your in there. fridge is too full, it will not <laughs> circulate evenly. Yeah. So again, like this is why we're going to see the CDC say four days, right? Because four days is kind of going to be the time that like that milk that is expressed in our like worst case scenario is going to go bad, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? Like you got dirty hands and a dirty pump and it's in the door and, you know, little Timmy's opening it every five minutes. I want snacks, mom. Where's the snacks? Timmy. (laughs) (laughs) That little asshole. (laughs) You know, some kid dropped it out of the fridge anyway. But like, that's why those guidelines vary. Yeah. But if you think about it like that, that's the CDC actually sounding pretty relaxed about it. Yeah. You know, like they are traditionally a more uptight recommendation, you know, but if they're saying like, even with little Timmy and your warmer refrigerator that's not circulating and it being four days and you pooped right before you <laughs> freaking pumped, we're still good at four days. It's like, well, yeah, all right then. Probably. Then I totally right. believe that eight days in the back of the fridge yeah. with clean hands and no Timmy mm-hmm. is going to be just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly, then... As we get into these longer storage periods, we're going to also start looking at milk composition changes because that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, Or it might be if we studied it more. Yes. (laughs) Some very limited study has suggested that, of course, um, we're going to look at lipase, everybody, episode 73, lipase, just go check it out. Um, (laughs) Some limited study has suggested that for the most part, lipase um, activity and lipid levels, lipid Lipple levels are going to be stable around like 96 hours. Um, but beyond that, we really start to see that increase in lipase activity and the lipids change. Um, lactoferrin, which is a protein, those levels are going to be stable about four to five days. And immunologic factors are stable at least two days. Sweet. So, okay, freezing. The not great thing about this is we basically only have studies up to nine months for freezing milk. Why? Who's going to pay for that, apparently, is the question. But for the most part, the gist of these studies is that for up to three months, breast milk is going to be super safe and still nutritious. But after that, we start to see a pretty steep decline in lactoferrin and vitamin C and fats and proteins and all of that. And this is in the freezer or Mm -hmm. a deep freezer? Uh, Any freezer. Okay. Yeah. We're looking at about negative 18 Celsius or zero Fahrenheit. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, like, my deep freezer is colder than zero. But my fridge freezer is about zero. Okay. Yeah. But, like, 
for the most part, most of the macronutrients are going to be stable enough that like we're comfortable feeding them to a baby up to nine months in storage. But here's the thing. We don't have studies that go further than nine months. And here's the thing. Does it matter? Because three months in baby land is a long time. Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, if your baby's three months old and you're freezing stuff, three months from now, they're starting solid food. Right. But the bigger concern in that was cited here is like, then what are the implications for donated milk? Mm. And, you know, babies that probably have some medical stuff going on if they're getting donated milk. Um, But for you, in home use with your baby, don't worry about it. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Refreezing. Hot topic. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Guess what? This is where the ice crystal comes in. We don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So the bacterial growth... And the loss of antibacterial activity in thawed milk varies, particularly based on the technique of thawing, the duration of how long it takes to thaw, the amount of bacteria in the milk at the time of expression. Again, how many times have I said that, which is why you need to wash your hands. (laughs) Um, So basically, ABM has declined to make a recommendation about refreezing milk. Yeah, that's very hard to study. And I get that. Um, Personally, I have refrozen milk. And then used it. And I'm like, you know what? We're just putting an X on it and using it next time we feed the baby. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. way it doesn't get lost. I mean, I guess, again, do what makes sense. And, uh, you know, if it's been accidentally thawed over, that means to me that the thawing has been a longer process. So maybe it's Mm -hmm. been slowly thawing for 24 hours because somebody cracked their refrigerator door or the freezer door. Mm -hmm. Um, So in that case, I'm more likely to just shut the freezer door and be like, you're probably fine. Right. And here's the thing with that last ice crystal magic. (laughs) The only logical way I can make that make sense is that if there are still literal frozen crystals in there it has to be a certain cold like temperature yeah you know there's not going to be ice crystals in 50 degree milk it has to be at least 32 right yeah or like you know maybe most of the milk is at 33 and then like a little little pocket is 31 it's still totally fine right and when it's that cold the bacteria good and bad mm-hmm. is moving really slowly yeah like it's not moving fast enough to make a difference it's not like it like goes from 32 and 33 and it's like wake up and eat yeah and poop <laughs> Quick. wake up eat and poop and take over the good ones <laughs> colonize um anyway <laughs> insert infographic by maureen <laughs> about milk battling milk bacteria battling oh, inside to-do list gets longer <laughs> The last part of storing milk is mixing milk of different temperatures. I have an update because this paper from 2017 from ABM is now out of date on that. Yes, Um, yes, yes. The update is that we have seen several organizations, including the AAP, change their guidelines based on new research that tells us that the overall bacteria count in milk is not changed When you mix warm and cold expressed milk together. And in fact, what does change that bacteria count is more containers used. Yes. And this is exactly what we said in our episode with Lisa, where this right here is the number one reason that people waste milk or throw milk away. And you don't need to do that anymore. So this is not just, you know, us telling you this. This is actually a public service announcement, and they really should put this everywhere. Mm -hmm. Every single medical professional that's dealing with breastfeeding families should have a poster that says this um, because this is a huge deal. So say you have one ounce that you've collected in the haka already in the refrigerator and then your baby oversleeps and you're like I'll just pump so you pump and it's like two ounces so now you have to make a decision do I (laughs) cool it down and then combine it and then lose all of that good fat on one side and the other side you know and then also it's just like is the bacteria and then you're like I don't know so you freeze one ounce and then you freeze the two ounces and then it's a pain when you try to send it to daycare Simplify your life. Decrease your anxiety. Put it all in one container in the refrigerator together. Mm -hmm. Mix the different temperatures together. And when you have enough volume, freeze it. Yep. For one feeding. Hooray. 
Or get that new milk stash that Lisa made mm -hmm. that freezes your milk into tiny little half-ounce cubes in a silicone tray that fit in both wide mouth bottles and skinny neck bottles so you can very accurately put together the exact amount that you need for each yeah. feeding, which is great. And again, lets you mix different temperatures, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. We love it. Okay, so uh, where do we go from here? I don't know. I'm getting kind of thirsty talking about all this milk storage. <laughs> well, before we go and um, drink some water, <laughs> I'm going to say where we go from here is uh, some people need to pay for more research. Yeah. So, you know, if you know anybody with lots of money they like to throw around for scientific research, um, breast milk is where it needs to go. Yeah. Um, we need more consistency in research as to how milk is expressed, you know, what storage containers, how long, hygiene protocols, you know, that kind of stuff is hard. Like some of the papers, I'm like, cool, good conclusion. But like, we don't even know if people wash their hands before they pumped. Right. Yeah. Like control for those variables right. and actually study it how people are using it in yep. real life. So like, oh, you're using your husband's 35-year-old lunchbox to cart your frozen milk right. back and Maybe forth. Maybe let's talk about that. With a dinosaur ice pack. I'm not saying it's not going to work. I'm just saying like, like. We need to know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we need to study the effects then, frankly, of stored human milk versus fresh when we feed them to infants, not necessarily for the healthy term infant. But for our preterm infants and medically unwell babies that we're feeding donated milk to. And really, the basis of all of this and why it's so important to us is from like a moral standpoint, this research is going to make the lives of breastfeeding parents easier mm -hmm. and make breastfeeding more sustainable for people that work outside of the home that require pumping. Because right. if we don't, it's just continually going to be one of those things that's not fair. You know, it's yeah. like, why does it have to be so effing hard? I mean, seriously, as of 2017, there is exactly one study investigating human milk after six months of freezing. I like, mean, what? <laughs> you know, and we like and we know basic principles like food stored at certain temperatures is indefinitely good because bacteria can't grow. But OK, we've got that principle. Then how do we actually apply it to feeding our babies? Right. And like if your baby's over a year old and you have milk still left in the freezer, you don't have to throw it out because it's been 12 months. Right. You know, you shouldn't have to. And it's still valuable for your baby. So it's not like the most nutritious milk you could possibly have anymore. Does it matter? You've got a one-year-old mm -hmm. who's eating solid food. It's still going to be something that they right. can have, you know? Right. And I just want to say the I think the biggest thing that we need to happen is people need to agree on what unsafe milk actually is because that agreement doesn't exist. Yeah, what it, what it looks like, what it smells like, and right. what the hard times are. Right. We have some studies that describe the degree of milk contamination over time, but none of them have a threshold for bacteria growth and at which we should decide, like, let's not consume that milk. Because guess what? The baby's got this GI <laughs> system that's very acidic that's going to yeah. eat up any bacteria, which is why, like, you can nurse on a breast that has an infection. Right. I mean, yeah, we just we don't have also like any definition of what adequate milk um, quality would be after freezing too. like, n you know, we have a couple studies, but nobody has decided like, hey, at this many parts per billion of bacteria, maybe we shouldn't feed this to babies anymore. Or like at this percentage of loss of macronutrients, this isn't going to be sufficient for a primary food source anymore. Right. And when we have babies that are relying entirely on frozen milk, we should know that. Which happens a lot. Mm -hmm. I think, it, and also, how often is that happening? Like, we really need to know how many people are pumping and freezing regularly and how many babies are getting strictly freezer milk. Mm -hmm. Because that's not something that we know either. There's so much unknown and lack of reporting and lack of caring to ask yeah, so uh, PhD listeners out there, 
if you wanted <laughs> ideas for studies, there you go. <laughs> and of course, if you want to support our podcast so we can outsource more stuff so I can go get my PhD <laughs> and do this research, yeah. you can get us and become a VIP at www.patreon.com slash Milk Minute Podcast. Boom. Shakalaka. Oh, Oh, we need to give an award. Have you ever been diapering your baby and just imagine all the diapers from that day alone being in the landfill? Doesn't it make you feel a little bit guilty? Like, actually, every day. Yeah. And also, I just want to mention, I remember standing in the diaper aisle at the grocery store wondering which diaper I should switch to next for my child's persistent diaper rash. Absolutely. And you guys know that I am really passionate about environmentally friendly products. We have a solution for all of this. The company Diaper, D-Y-P-E-R, was started to solve three problems. First problem was running out of diapers because who hasn't been there? So they created a subscription model. The second problem was not wanting to use harmful chemicals on your baby's delicate skin. And the third problem was a desire to leave a better planet behind for babies everywhere. So they created eco-friendly diapers made out of bamboo fibers that are soft and absorbent. You don't have to feel guilty about it because Diaper has carbon offset the entire diapering journey from manufacturing to shipping. You can also get a free diaper bag with your subscription through our promo link. What's not to love? Get your diaper subscription today and your free diaper bag by clicking the link in our show notes. Happy diapering! Okay. We have a very special award this week for our friend Caroline Brown Johnson. She is a member of the Breastfeeding for Busy Moms group, and she posted the best picture of her in her wedding dress breastfeeding her baby. And she says, five minutes before walking down the aisle, had to share with you ladies, eight months strong. Uh, hell yeah. Way to go. I'm giving you the Badass Bride Award. <laughs> the, the, the Badass Breastfeeding Bride Award. Yes, because that's awesome. Also, way to choose a dress like you could pull a boob out of. Yeah, <laughs> she's got this gorgeous lace overlay with like a thicker strap. It looks like it's probably a deeper V-neck, which I love. Mm-hmm. And also, I used to work at a bridal shop, what? in case you didn't know that when? about me. What? <laughs> Don't worry about it. I have many different lives. I hear you. Um, And she just slipped that strap down and is breastfeeding her sweet baby. Mm -hmm. And her eyelashes are on point. Yeah, it's all on point. Happy matrimony and Mm -hmm. happy eight months, Caroline. Absolutely. You rock. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Milk Minute Podcast and educating yourself on breastfeeding. The way we change this big system that isn't set up for breastfeeding parents is by educating ourselves and sharing with our children and our friends. Now, if you found some value in the episode we produced for you this week, please go to patreon.com slash milkminutepodcast and show us your support with a small donation, which will grant you access to cool members-only stuff. Thanks, everybody. This episode was edited and produced by Cherie Louise Turner, music by Lindsay Brett Carruthers and Christian Higgins. Transcript by Tiffany Getz and social media management by Heather and Maureen. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Bye bye. It's a mess.